You know how Katy Perry says, I guess I could try hypnotherapy. I've got to rewire this brain. Well, I could sing it, but you'll be glad I didn't. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking to an expert hypnotherapist who's going to tell us all about the benefits of doing just that. So stay tuned. friends, I'm Lindsay Ashworth, and this is the Celebration Effect podcast, the podcast that gives you the tools and knowledge you need to stop living for the someday and start celebrating the now. Together, we'll celebrate our minds, bodies, and souls and realize that life is cause for celebration. I'm so grateful you're here. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to the Celebration Effect podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Ashworth, and I help you celebrate your life through party decorations and positivity. I'm so glad you're here for another week of the podcast, and it's finally February, and you guys, according to the weirdest tradition in the world, where old men hold up a scared-to-death groundhog, (laughs) we're in for an early spring. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's something to celebrate. What do you guys think? As you know, I started this podcast in order to provide you with new ways of living, thinking, and being to help you celebrate your life. So today, I'm super excited to bring you my very first podcast guest and introduce you to something that you might never have thought of before to bring changes to your life. So today, we're going to be talking with Penny Chason, a board-certified hypnotist who's going to give us some very basic knowledge around hypnotherapy and how it can be beneficial in rewiring our brains for success. I know for me, hypnotherapy is a totally new thing that I've recently become interested in, but I'm still in the beginning stages of really understanding how it all works and how we can use it in our lives to really transform. And as I've mentioned before, while I talk about positive thinking being so important in our lives, I know that our brains play a huge role in how we think, and therefore it's good to know how it's wired so you can program it for success. So I'm excited to share that interview with you today and hear what you think about all these ideas. So let's roll that interview right now. Well, hey, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce my podcast guest this week. She is a two-time number one international best-selling author. I can't believe I got her to come on this podcast. Award-winning board-certified hypnotist with a background in nurse anesthesia and pain management hypnosis. So welcome to the podcast, Penny. Hey, Lindsay. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful. And I know the people, including me, are going to benefit so much for, you know, what we're going to talk about today. So why don't you let us know what you do and how you help people? Well, Lindsay, what I'm passionate about, because hypnosis is just such a broad field, I'm passionate about helping women who have underlying beliefs or doubts or fears that are keeping them from living the life they want to live. I mean, currently, I'm working mostly with high-level entrepreneurs, but everyone has the same issues, right? Absolutely. That's great. So what made you want to become a hypnotherapist? And is it is there a difference between hypnotherapist and hypnotist? Maybe we can start with that. <laughs> I think that's a great distinction to make. Because to be a hypnotist, 
you really just need to take training and certification in hypnosis. And there was a time when people used hypnotist and hypnotherapist interchangeably. And for those of us who do not have a background of an education in counseling or therapy, we're moving away from using the term hypnotherapist because it leaves a bit of a gray area. And I think it's important that we make a clear distinction that we're, what we're providing is not therapy for a person so that they understand what they're getting because in some states it actually became a legal issue. So it's just best. That's why I refer to myself as a hypnotist. You will still find hypnotists that refer to themselves as hypnotherapist. Just ask what their training and background is. Great. Okay, that's good to know because I definitely wasn't aware of that. So, okay, great. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about first was just around a lot of these preconceived notions that people have about, you know, hypnosis. I know for me, my first experience was probably watching TV or when I was in the dorms in college and a hypnotist came and kind of made people do some crazy things. So maybe you can talk about you know, how does what you do differ from that kind of, that kind of situation that I described? Well, for me personally, the work that I do is insight-based with the client. So it's more of a dialogue between the two of us than me giving someone instructions alone. But all hypnosis is really self-hypnosis because even with stage hypnosis, people volunteer. And when people volunteer, they know that they're going to be doing things that are kind of crazy and wacky and fun. So they're really consenting to be a part of that process, which makes them open to the suggestion. It's um, a statement that you made is, you know, they made them do crazy things. When you're in hypnosis, you can't make anyone do anything that they don't want to do. So I think that's one of the biggest distinctions, but the process of going into hypnosis, the following of instructions, the entering the state, becoming more suggestible and responding to those suggestions, it's the same whether you're using hypnosis for change or stage hypnosis. It's just when that's all that people have been exposed to, they're really unsure what to think. And so sometimes they may be a little hesitant and unsure that when someone comes into my office in the chair that I'm not going to make them, you know, cluck like a chicken. And no, I don't do that. But I have, I've had many clients ask me, are you going to make me cluck like a chicken? Will I get stuck? No, you won't get stuck in hypnosis. You know, if something were to happen and I myself dozed off to sleep, you would either fall asleep or you would realize I'm not talking to you and you wake up, you wake up. See, I use one of the common uh, misconceptions that open their eyes and look around and say, why isn't she talking to me anymore? Right. Okay. Interesting. So maybe you could talk about why someone would come to you to be hypnotized. You know, I've talked a little bit to my listeners about, you know, the subconscious mind and how it's really programmed from an early age uh, based on our experiences and things like that. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how that relates to hypnosis. So a lot of things that we do well, actually, everything that we do is habit in some form or fashion. And habits are very easily taken care of with hypnosis. There are a lot of things that maybe 
one session may help someone eliminate a, a habit or a behavior or to incorporate a new habit or behavior. But hypnosis can also help you get to those underlying issues. You know, I've worked with people from everything um, from stop smoking to stop craving chocolate to confidence and motivation to chronic pain and to help people eliminate those things. One of the most common things I guess I work with these days is anxiety. And I do the air fingers quote because anxiety is a term that's loosely used these days. A lot of people talk about having feelings of anxiety when there is no clinical diagnosis in place. And it's important to make the distinction that if you have a clinical diagnosis of something, then your healthcare provider needs to be aware that you're going to be using hypnosis as a tool to help deal with that. But for most run-of-the-mill air fingers quote anxiety, it's just fears or nervousness that people have. They can't really put their finger on what it is that's making them feel bad or nervous or distracted. And that's probably most commonly what I'm dealing with these days. So anxiety is obviously one of one of the top ones that you that people come to you for. Is there what are some other top reasons that maybe moms or women might come to you for? I know a lot of the people that listen are, you know, concerned about confidence or body image and things like that. So is that something that you deal with often? Um, all of those are things that people commonly seek out for. I don't work with weight management, but weight is a big one. Sleep, confidence, uh, stress is a huge one. A lot of people don't identify it as stress, but, you know, they recognize that they're getting into some form of a distracting behavior, or they notice that their confidence and motivation is lacking. And it's generally, I mean, when you have kids, it's easy to get overcommitted and overwhelmed. And you don't have a lot of rest. So those things kind of come into play. But since you're talking to moms, I don't work with children, but hypnosis is very effective with kids if you're dealing with things like nail biting, thumb sucking, bed wetting once they get a little bit older. I mean, obviously not the three, four range. That's a little too young, but you know, once they get up over the age of four and five, hypnosis is a great tool and kids are easy to work with for people. Wow. That's so to know. it can make life a little easier. Yeah, I think people will be uh, interested to hear that because that's kind of new information to me. Um, so how many sessions would you say that it takes for someone to like see a change, whether it's around anxiety or confidence or, you know, whatever you're working with them on? Most of my clients begin to see a shift after that very first session. And that is always my goal to get some recognizable shift for my client in that first session. Sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's a major aha moment, but pretty much with any hypnosis that you do after that first session, you should begin to see some shift in change unless you really have a lot of negative self-talk to work on and issues around that. Because what you do when you leave the hypnosis session is just as important as what you do in the hypnosis session, because you can suggest yourself right out of what you went in for if you're not careful. Wow. That's, 
That's so true. We talk a lot about you know, positive <laughs> thinking on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's so important to recognize. One of the things I was curious about was I just recently read a, a book by Dr. Joe, Joe Dispenza called You Are the Placebo. And he talks a lot about how, um, how some people are more susceptible to be hypnotized than others. What do you say to someone who might be concerned that they come in and they can't be hypnotized? <clears throat> Excuse me. I know I've heard that before or even kind of felt well, it myself. Yeah. So there are a few different factors to take into consideration. One is that someone needs to be able to follow instructions. So if someone's had an injury or a disability that prohibits them from from following verbal instructions, that can definitely play a role. How much of an overthinker someone is can play a role. If if someone's a, a critical thinker, an engineer, a mathematician, something along those lines, because they're always working to sort things out, that conscious analytical comes into play and can interfere. Generally, in my personal experience, if I can talk with someone about hypnosis, address their concerns and fears and have them understand what it is and how we're going through it, I can guide them into a state of hypnosis I've only had a couple of clients that I couldn't get into a deep state of hypnosis. And one of those clients had a traumatic brain injury, which was not surprising. But even in a lighter state of hypnosis, it is still beneficial. You can take advantage of different levels of hypnosis for different types of work. The thing that comes into play is probably about 10% of the population is not suggestible. You can be suggestible without being in hypnosis. Otherwise, as adults, how would we ever learn if someone couldn't get us to entertain an idea and decide to either incorporate that idea into our life or not incorporate it into our life? So hypnosis is just a heightened state of our normal level of suggestibility. So pretty much if you can follow instructions and it's someone that you trust, see, that's another key piece of the puzzle. If it's someone that you trust and you have rapport with, you can be guided into a hypnotic state. Wow. So that just made me think of something. If someone's, you know, thinking about doing hypnosis to help them with anxiety or whatever they might be experiencing, is this something that they can do like virtually online or do they need to go into an office to take advantage of, you know, the the hypnotist? No, audios are great. And actually when people reach out to work with me, I'll find out what they've done in the past. And if I feel that they would benefit from an audio, because what I do is the deep internal work, the subconscious work, the insight beliefs, in the fears that are underlying there. But if, if I feel that someone would benefit from an audio, I will send them in that direction. And if anyone out there is interested in looking up audios, the best piece of advice I can give you is if you try one and it doesn't work, find another one because something as simple as the tone of someone's voice or their pace can, you know, not resonate well with you and you simply not go into hypnosis 
for that reason and that reason alone. I've actually purchased audios before and like five minutes in decided I'm never listening to that one again, just because I didn't like the way it sounded and that's okay. Yeah. So when you say it didn't work, quote unquote, like how does someone kind of grasp that? How, how do they know that it's working, I guess? Uh, in terms of the hypnosis actually working, the biggest thing is to just simply kind of let go and allow and follow the directions. When it's not uncommon when people go into hypnosis for their mind to wander, they'll hear noises, open their eyes and look around. Um, they may even fall asleep. And all of those things are normal and they happen. The key is to do it more than once, not at the same time, obviously, but to repeat the practice, to get kind of in the groove with the practice and just reevaluate after a few days and say someone did it for anxiety. See if you're feeling more at calm, more at peace. If you're not noticing a change, try a different audio. And it's simply because you might need different suggestions to feel better. Great. So you kind of talked about um, the recording. Is that considered like self-hypnosis? Because I know people are talking an awful lot about self-hypnosis lately, or at least I've been hearing it. So can you tell us maybe what the difference is between self-hypnosis and then guided maybe with you? Right. So... I consider all hypnosis self-hypnosis because people have to follow directions and basically guide themselves in. But whether you're um, have instructions to do a self-hypnosis where you're using your own imagery or you're listening to an audio, it's all really kind of self-hypnosis. When someone works with me, I do consider myself a guide. I like that you use that word because I'm not doing anything to them. I guide them through a process and I guide them into hypnosis. And when it's guided, as opposed to listening to an audio, where you get the benefit is, is the hypnotist lays eyes on you we can see the rate at which you're breathing. If you look like you're getting restless, we can watch your eye movements. That gives us an indication of when you're beginning to go into that hypnotic state. We can gauge your reaction to us so we can slow down a little or speed up a little and time the wording of what we're saying with your physical response. For example, a common um, phrase that's used in a hypnotic induction or in a relaxation is that with each gentle exhale, you relax further and further. Well, it's one thing to hear that in an audio. It's another for the hypnotist to see you and to say with each gentle exhale, and then to watch you. And then as you actually exhale, say you relax further and further as the air is going out of your lungs, it's a subconscious cue. It's just, it, it elevates the experience, really. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm sure people will be, you know, 
astounded to hear just about hypnosis, especially because people aren't, you know, I the people that I feel like listen to my podcast, maybe that's kind of a new thing for them. So it'll be interesting for to hear their feedback. So I know you just um, published a book. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what that's about and uh, give us some insight of where to get it. <laughs> yeah, so... Back in December, I released Breaking the Fibro Code, and it's a book that is geared toward persons who are suffering with fibromyalgia, and it kind of goes back to, you mentioned you had read Joe Dispenza, and you're the placebo, and with any amount of healing, it all starts with your mindset. I mean, years before I ever knew anything about hypnosis, as a nurse, I was acutely aware of watching my patients and noticing that depending on their perspective and their outlook, the results that they had to treatments and therapies. So the book is a little bit about how to harness your relaxation response to diminish your inflammation and how to begin to use the mind and the way that you perceive and respond to things to create a more positive state within your body so that your body's chemistry is actually working in your favor instead of against you. So the book is really for anyone that may have any type of an issue with a chronic illness. It's not just fibromyalgia. That just happened to be who I targeted because those women tend to have issues around, you know, the way they're perceived, the diagnosis, whether or not people believe in them. And I enjoy helping people address those underlying beliefs and letting them go. So in terms of pain and the way that I like to work in hypnosis, it was pretty much the obvious direction to go. That's great. And where can people find this book? Is it available on Amazon? It is on Amazon. The ebook came out in December and the paperback is now available. Breaking the Fibro Code. Great. That's awesome. So if someone wants to, you know, work with you or, you know, maybe get an idea of what they could do in terms of like audio, you know, hypnosis, where can they, you know, find you? Where can they reach out to you or learn more about you? Yeah, so my website is pennychason.com, or they can follow me on Facebook. I'm Penny Chason, Instagram, penny.chason. Um, and yeah, I actually have a link to a video on the homepage that teaches you a relaxing breath that increases serotonin levels, increases melatonin levels, increases your endorphins, and actually... Uh, interrupts that stress response. So if you have moms out there that are looking for a quick tip that they can use to feel relaxed and just kind of bring a little bit of a sense of peace into their day-to-day so that they can stay healthier and have the energy to keep up with the kids, that would be a great tool. Well, we appreciate all that you've said, and we're definitely going to be using that meditation um, that you mentioned on your website. Is there anything last minute that you'd like to say to call this episode complete? Oh, well, you know, the main thing that I would say to moms, because you have that audience here, and I think it's so important, is that no matter what your kids are feeling, 
to validate that feeling and then find out what's causing them to feel that way. The majority of the people that I work with, you know, and it's not anything we're taught as parents. I'm a parent of three grown young men and I was never taught this as, you know, just a little bit of um, emotional intelligence, you know, what's a healthy way to address our feelings and validation is a huge piece of that. That was so excellent to have Penny on the podcast and I'm just so grateful and I'm so grateful you stuck around to listen to it. I think it's really great to hear about alternative ways of transforming. You know, we hear a lot about therapy and things like that. So this is a a new way and maybe something you might be interested in trying uh, if you're dealing with maybe anxiety or anything like that. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for taking the time. And I hope you take a little time this week to celebrate your life. I'll talk to you guys next time.